It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net, betting at 100.1 and above. This is Bashcast episode number 151. Stand up if you're sitting down. It is 10 minutes to 8pm on Thursday the 19th of December 2019. Coming up tonight on the Bashcast. Kevin De Bruyne brings some festive cheer. Um... Oh, we're going to squeeze these shop offers to death. Um, Look at the coupon and horse racing trackers. And after the break, we look at some predictions and some suggestions for 2020, the last year of the decade. All of that and more coming up tonight on the Bashcast. Alfred Dunhill, a couple of weeks ago, in South Africa. A lot of golf tournaments in South Africa just now. So weird. We were on Louis de Jaeger, who started the first round, par par, birdie par, eagle. So he's three under after five holes, and he was one of the early people to tee off. And he was right up there at the beginning. And a, um, a superb suggestion on the forum for... What song can be used if Louis Diego brings us home? Summer Room 5. No music police on the Bashcast. No EV police on the forums. No music police. Don't do them on the Bashcast except for Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. So Louis Diego starts... For Pablo Larathabal, we had him at 66 to 1. But he's winning in minus, he's 600 and 300 and 200 for his first three rounds. He's he's in danger of going second round leader, third round leader victorious. But then apparently he wasn't going to play the fourth round because of blisters in his feet. He does play, um, he's got a three or four shot lead to start off round four and begins bogey par bogey par bogey double bogey 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 that's his front nine at which point I left the house to go to dinner in the pub and the pub I was going for dinner in in the countryside Sunday dinner so it's like 3pm 
uh, had no 3G and um, he was something like five shots behind the leaders having bogeyed the 13th at this point. Five shots behind with five to play. So forgot about it. Had my had my dinner, met up with my friends, had a drink, got the kids in the car and driving home. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder how far down the Rathbow finished did he squeeze into a place position. Unbelievably, he finishes par birdie, birdie, par birdie, like a Spanish superhero of sorts. Um, Justin Harding, the South African, falters, had, um, had a putt to take it to a tiebreaker, couldn't complete it. And so Harding finishes seven under. Larath Bow finishes eight under. What a hero. What an absolute hero for um, a golf winner on the recommendations, which are still sort of broken even now for around about, I don't know, around about maybe 10 weeks. 10 weeks of breaking even. Um, it's the nature of the game, though. We're still plenty up over 30 weeks, so that's fine. Kevin De Bruyne, Belgian professional footballer, plays midfield for Manchester City in the Belgian national team, and he's a big, strong lad as well. From Ghent in Belgium, was um, due to line up against Arsenal on Sunday the 15th of December. And I was driving home, and I was listening to TalkSport, where they are much more experts on the strategy of football than me. See, I might know more about value betting than they are. Tactics of how to get on, have how to benchmark value and all of that. But in terms of strategy, of course, they know more than me. And they were saying that Manchester City were going to capitalise on the fact that Arsenal's defence have been particularly weak this season against powerful and strong attacking teams so Guardiola was going to um, I don't know if he was going to rest Aguero or if Aguero was injured anyway but Aguero and Silva not the biggest guys were not going to play and De Bruyne, Sterling and Jesus were going to be form a front three um, with De Bruyne as a focal player running at the defence the Arsenal defence Maitland-Niles Chambers Kalasinac who have struggled against physical dominance over the season. So this is all the strategy that I was listening to on Five Live. And I logged on to Oddschecker and saw that he had been cut on by Sunday lunchtime at a few bookmakers. Betfred were top price at 9-1 to one on Kevin De Bruyne. Um, the exchanges had had very little to zero um, liquidity, movement, there was £10 sitting at Kevin De Bruyne at 12.0, which means nothing. I mean, it really means nothing. What does £12, uh, £10 at 12.0 mean? It could, somebody could have been arbing a higher price that had since been cut. Somebody could think that that is value. For, I mean, £10 is indicative of absolutely nothing, um, information-wise. So, putting all of this together... Despite the fact that Kevin De Bruyne has never had a brace for his club, um, I liked the price of 9-1, to one and I'm going to bet on it. And when I bet on it myself, I suggest on the site that this is what I'm doing. It's not particularly a recommendation to anyone else. If you want to blindly copy what I'm doing, I have a proven winning history over Double Delight for a long time. 
Um, and if you don't want to copy me, you can either get into some debate as to why you don't think it's a good idea or just completely ignore me. And all of those options are fine. I'd rather everybody talked about the different potential value opportunities because I can't possibly see them all. So just throw them out there what you think they are. And if they're wrong, we can talk about it and perhaps we'll find something. And so that's all I'm doing is throwing out what um, what I'm what I'm doing onto the forums. Um, that twat from QVC is how I'm known amongst a particular group of people that dislike bookie bashing and the Bashcast. Um, they do. I know they get fed a lot of information from us. It's not something that I can stop when information bleeds out of the site. So. That's fine. They're just there. They're those guys that take and criticize at the same time. I got a screenshot. They were shown my tip of um, Double Delight on De Bruyne. And someone um, questioned, has my ego got so big now? I think I can beat the exchange. De Bruyne is 12.0 on Betfair. Um, and he said, so there's no way nine to one is value. Because to this person, £10 liquidity on the exchange with nothing else as a lay price or a back price under that is a definite benchmark that cannot possibly be beaten. Well, do you know what? It can be beaten. Don't trust everything that you see. If you see thousands of pounds for a back and thousands of pounds for a, thousands of pounds in liquidity for a lay that is one increment above the back on an NFL money line, you have every right to think that there's no way that your knowledge could possibly beat that volume of information. If a single person is sitting with one hour's minimum wage, a tenner, with 12.0 uh, De Bruyne, with zero traded, it is indicative of the square root of fuck all. That's what it's indicative of. Um, you can use that as uh, um, a proxy for your decision making if you want. I choose not to. I do genuinely choose to believe that unless it's completely liquid, that I may know more than the exchange. And here's the na 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 moment. Uh, as we led up to kick off on that Sunday afternoon, I didn't look at the exchanges because I was already on. I, I got on very. I'd made my decision and I was already on. And do you know what? If he drifts out to 14 on the exchanges and I'm completely wrong, I make my bed and I lie in it. It's, that's happened before and it'll happen again. On this particular occasion, he came in to 9.6 on the exchange. I was on at 9 to 1 at Betfred. I don't know if he'd been held at 9 to 1 to Betfred or not. Very often he cuts when it's an out and out arb like that. But that's what we had. De Bruyne then scores in the second minute of the game. He stays as an attacking force, hammering down on the Arsenal defence. Scores in the 40, 40th minute of the game. And then in the 44th minute of the game, from outside of the area, he curls a shot. Keeper gets fingertips, saves and just nudges it on to the post. And that prevented us. That was millimetres away from 27 to 1 payout. And I'll tell you this, you don't need to be right many times in a row when you're being paid out at 27 to 1. The next 25 could be wrong and you still will be up because you got paid at 27 to 1. It's a lovely payday for that on me on um, on that Sunday. And uh, um, I didn't take any delight, really, 
in ramming down all the profit that I made on the throats of the haters. Booyah, haters. Booyah. Shop offers have been interesting recently. The William Hill Daily Shop offers, the traders are just making such a mess of managing liabilities on these. In the summer, we were able to get £500 on anything we wanted. And they were all losing because of a bad run of variance. And the traders kept on taking £500. And then we went through a really extreme run of good variance. We were winning. William Hill were losing. They were still taking a few £500 bets, but they got hammered through September, October. So around about November, they started PTLing everybody. And the PTLs, they weren't even punter-based, if you know what I mean. They were they were sort of nationwide. Are you betting two bets today? The second bet, you're £25. Or are you betting on 100%? You're going to have £25. Or is this boosted? You're going to have £25. But then other boosts, you could get £200 on. And then, so, and they don't take liability into equation either. So they'll happily take £100 on a 10 to 1, but then they'll limit you to £25 on a 2 to 1. And the 10 to 1 could be better value anyway for the punter. It's extremely strange how they manage this. I don't know why they don't just manage it by saying, you know, maximum bet on any of them is £200. I mean, who's putting £500 on Belgian Cup football who doesn't already know that that is a good bet, you know? So why don't they just say maximum £200 on every bet? And if it's boosted £100, and then as you go through the 25 75 100% boosts, it's maximum £50. I don't know. I'm just Or maximum win £500 for everything. That would seem more intelligent to me. But instead, they're just this seemingly random PTRs. I think they say behind the computer screen, phone up for XYZ reason, and XYZ could literally be anything. And then the same trader will ask, you know, do you know the guy? Has he had a bet already today? And that trader will just say, £25 PTL. It's almost like, I think what's happened is there has been some targets um, put in place for the the lower level traders. So if you're like an entry-level trader, 25-year-old straight out of university, you're earning 22k a year over in Gibraltar, you're a sort of junior trader or whatever the word would be for it, and you're told by your manager, we've lost several million in these great offers through the last couple of months. So you have to manage liabilities by figuring out who is betting on this. And instead, well, who are you meant to be targeting? One, why are they offering anything that's plus EV in the first place? I thought the whole point of all of these great offers there, wouldn't it just be easier for William Hill if they were all negative EV? And if you are going to offer some of the boosts, just put a cap on it for everybody. But there's just widespread confusion about, you know, it depends on the trader that you get on the end of the phone. You know, that's the luck of the draw. The luck of the draw isn't, is the bet going to come in? The luck of the draw is who are you going to get at the end of the phone when William Hill phone up for you? So loads of people, my guys, had um, loads of trouble getting on more than £25. And £25 at 
10 to 1 isn't going to pay the rent, unfortunately. You know, 25 pounds, 2 to 1 definitely isn't going to pay the rent. So the point of these was that you could stake high enough on them that they were worthwhile. And now, whilst still quite a few hundred, 200 pound bets are going through, so many are getting limited. It's becoming very much a lottery. William Hill may squeeze these to death. I mean, again, the clever thing for them to do would be to either put liability limits on for everybody or have a max bet on every single one or make them negative EV in the first place, which is what they're meant to do. But they don't. And there's mass confusion going around about it. And there are some managers who are... I think I mean the, the feedback comes through that there are organised gangs going around betting on these. I mean, it make, makes it sound like Peaky Blinders or criminals in New York in the 1800s, the Irish gangs going around with their guns. But instead of robbing people, they're placing £100 and they're being over one goal in the EFL trophy at 10-1 to 1 when William Hill... I've set the line a little bit high and it should only be six to one. You know, I mean, is that these organized gangs that they speak of, what harm exactly are we doing? You're offering a price and we're betting on it. This harps back to the treatment I felt like I had in Kidderminster where the guy had a Freudian slip and said that he was going to phone the police and then corrected himself and said he was going to phone head office. Or my friend tells a tale of going in, in to a shop in Cardiff which had a notorious new shop manager who came in, PTL'd everybody, all the regulars, all the unknowns, everyone that was betting over £5 a bet was getting PTL'd, throwing his weight around like he enjoyed, like a proper job's worth, like he enjoyed the power of rejecting and sniding um, people, and not treating it as a business with customers, but treating it as... And uh, the enemy, which must be protected from, even at the sacrifice of regulars and mug punters. And he was universally hated amongst regular punters, professional punters, arbitrage players, value bettors and staff alike until he was removed from that shop. And then everything went back to normal. And that's the effect that these arsehole managers can have when they come into a shop and they start not paying out, changing odds, PTLing everybody. But we're getting this to be very widespread just now with these great shop offers. So we had a good run, you know. I've made just a little bit short of six figures on them this year, which is fine. And then next year we'll go and find something else to bet on. In terms of the other things, here's the weird thing. You know, some people may have been caught up in their local shop, been PTL'd to £25, and that PTL remains amongst all of their bets. Well, my advice would be that the game is certainly not over there. Don't expect to go in and put £100 on a horse that is bad each way or an outright arb. That's not going to happen, but then it probably there was no longevity to that strategy either. But if we look at the um, the coupons that are on offer, the match odds and both teams to score coupon and the in the future, win to nil coupon and other coupons. When they say max about £25, if we're putting a series of trebles on, on those coupons, five teams, trebles of those five teams, that's ten trebles. 
technically what William Hill and Fred say when the PTL is £25 is that each one of those trebles is maximum £25. Well, if you've got 10 trebles in there, that bet slip's 250 quid. That's a sizable enough bet slip to be making some money professionally anyway. Okay? So the game just shifts to, all right, well, we thought we were getting away with the great office when they believed that everything that we were doing was negative EV. But if now that they start thinking that things are, that there are gangs that are making money because they're being completely reactionary to the fact that results haven't gone their way for a couple of months, that's the only reason they're doing this. You know, the, the EV was exactly the same in the summer, but all the bets were losing, so they weren't being this. But then now they've, they, they're looking at the account sheets and they can see this hole, and instead of being like bookmakers and saying, well, we've gone through an extreme run of variance, of bad variance, where all the bets are losing to the punters. They're not saying, well, at least they all won in the summer, so that we made hay then. They're saying, well, forget about the summer. We've got really bad PL sheets for September, October, November, so we're going to do something about it. Uh, so we'll just move on to where they, they don't believe that we can beat them, which is football coupons. There isn't a bookmaker out there that really thinks that these are beatable unless it is a... I mean, there is a certain type of coupon, anything that is just singles on liquid exchange markets. A couple of things there. One, limits won't be good. Two, prices get cut extremely quickly. And three, if you're placing singles on um, just ARBs there, then you're 100% going to get noticed and restricted. But more complex, difficult to work out um, coupons, such as the match odds and both teams to score, where the liquid markets on the exchange are biased towards later layers, so they're high anyway. Um, and... Most of the games do not have a liquid benchmark against them. So the punters, most of the punters are just clueless as to which games in that coupon are value and which aren't value. Similarly with the win to nil. Then you start throwing them in doubles and trebles. So it's like, even if they were liquid, they can't be laid. And so the bookmaker thinks, well, this guy's definitely a mug punter. We'll lay him a bet. And that's the simple way of getting around it. There was feedback that someone had said recently, the manager, someone had gone in to do seven match odds and both teams to score teams at William Hill. And apparently a trader said that's a very similar bet to a bet that's been had on the other side of the country, which uh, is more than possible. If we picked out seven pretty random teams to win the match odds and both teams to score on the coupon, and then you bet on them, including, you know, some German Division 2 and some Copa del Rey. And then someone else on another side of the country goes and does it. A trader might notice that. What's he going to do about it? And apparently the manager said um, it's been highlighted that somebody else has placed a very similar coupon to this. Someone says that to you. You just laugh and go, yeah, of course they did. Because um, on Talk Sport there was a... There's a new Twitter tipster called at footy boom tips and he's just been completely smashing it recently and all my mates are on him. You know, just something real. Remember, it's a complete game. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's a complete game between us and the bookmaker. Try and read the book Bringing Down the House, which is about those um, MIT students who went over to Las Vegas and when they were first counting cards, it was very easy to make a lot of money very quickly. 
Then the game became, how do we get away from the restrictions that the casinos are going to put on us? Well, it's the game that you play against the house that really decides the longevity that you have in it, you know? So the game that we're playing is that we are following talk sport twitter the boom twitter tipsters those complete idiots who fail to publish profit and loss sheets beyond i think it's why they like those zero to one thousand bets because it's very difficult to track how many of them fail i mean if you take a tenner and turning it into a thousand pounds that'll happen once every hundred times no more or no less unless you have a fine edge either way but if you have a fine edge in your favour, you don't need to stop at a thousand pounds. Why do they stop at a thousand pounds? Because they get to reset to zero all the time. That's why they stop at a thousand pounds. And um, if you go and track the profit and loss sheets of all of these tipsters, the majority of them end very quickly. It's very, very easy to document profit when you start on a hot streak. In fact, m most Twitter tipsters start with the profit and then it dwindles away. The hard thing is documenting, documenting loss after loss after loss after loss after loss, which will happen even when you have a positive expectation strategy. That's the weird thing. You know, you could be a winning punter or a winning tipster. And the nature of thin value betting means that you will have extended long losing runs and you will have people that complain, that follow you and complain about extended long losing runs. So what are you going to do? Well, if you understand the nature of variance, you're going to not listen to the people that are complaining, probably lose a few of them, and keep on going until you're through that period of variance. But how many of them do that? Not very many. The very easy thing for them to do is win. It's very difficult to lose. So um, they're ten a penny, these guys on Twitter. And if anyone ever challenges on why you're betting on a particular bet slip or a coupon or anything like that, the, app, the best thing to do is to say, oh, I'm following boom tips. Boom tips, they're smashing it. Or lad tips or laddie boom boom tips. If you like accumulators and you like lottery tickets i think lucky 15s using the horse racing tracker is possibly the thing for you now um um the, the numbers i quote are off the top of my head here uh, i couldn't be bothered to <laughs> research the exact one but they're roughly indicative my memory isn't awful it just might be a digit or two out somewhere but we've had in the last week or two we've had three different people with 2.4k 3.1k and 4.6k um slips returns uh, on lucky 15s mostly picking horses that were at 66 to 1 80 to 1 100 to 1 i had a 66 to 1 on mine last week and it's always fun when that's the first horse that wins because it's like the bet slip is already in profit and then just one more place it's going to be surreal and a win is just going to start meaning, you know, probably a week's wages for most people, depending on how big your stake is. But even at low stakes, even at 50p, it could be. Well, so they're just great fun. But it's like a, a plus EV lottery ticket sometimes because 
the jackpot is the, the big big ones if you've got 266 to 1 or 200 to 1 horses in that lucky 15 lucky 15 for anyone that doesn't know four singles all the trebles all the doubles and the quadruple which is 15 separate bets and so you know having four winners really helps because it just completes everything but if you've got two horses at 50 to 1 the double on those horses are 2500 to 1 anyway so you know you can get big payouts just with one or two winners on these lucky 15s we're not doing anything particularly clever on the horse racing tracker it is really just finding value from the bias that exists um, in the way that the place is structured in UK horse racing betting. So there are a million and one different tools around to do this. Odds Monkey's got one, the filthy each-way value system over uh, Profit Maximizer. Loads of people sell tools for identifying bad each way races and value horses that are valued to place where there is a short price favorite in the field the difference perhaps between ours and the rest is that we don't just depend on the exchange for liquidity to determine a price because overnight money is a thing of the past smart money doesn't really exist on the exchanges overnight and in the early mornings anymore and that means that at eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning place markets can be completely empty and if you're reliant on the exchange for information you really have to wait much closer to the off to find out about it so we have a system in place where we extract information from other places to make sure that early morning we're still able to identify where that value exists there's more than one way to skin a cat when it comes to benchmarking information so you can go onto the tracker and filter by your particular bookmaker, perhaps your Student Betfred or William Hill. Betfred, where you get double odds if things happen, with a sort of boost on your slip. And they love giving away these boosts on the lucky 15s because they think that you're compounding bad prices with more bad prices to make it a really bad slip. Whereas what we're doing is compounding good prices with good prices to make it a really good slip. But these can really be... Um, these can be lottery tickets and yesterday an anonymous user on the forum and an all-round good guy incidentally from my experiences with him had two of two winners by 12.59 one of them was Marla Promise who was 100 to 1 went off at 33 to 1 and the second winner, I think, was 92. And so had two more horses in his bet slip. And I don't know the prices of them. But whatever they were, if both of them won, he was going to win £2.1 million. That's right. It was a random Wednesday lunchtime in December. And he was two horses who could have both been 100 to 1. But I don't think they were. I think one was in single figures and one was maybe 50 to 1 or something like that. But still, it's not inconceivable that two horses could win. And he was in for £2.1 million. You see, really, it's it, it's a lot of fun. If you're going to be betting 100 to 1 and more than one horse in a bet slip, I think the losing runs, I think it's got to be like, the losing runs are so extreme, it could be possible that you never, 
you, you could realistically be in 49% of people who are betting a positive expectation tra- strategy and seeing a negative return over a year or two doing that. But that's fine. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with having positive expectation lottery tickets? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I try and do a lucky 15 every single day. And the beautiful thing about them is that they often, they very rarely return zero unless you're on four extremely high-priced horses. Normally a couple of place. And I think like the average, if I have like a 90-pound bet slip, which would be, you know, a three-pound each way lucky 15. I would imagine like the average return on that is something like, like not the average, but the mode, like the, the most common return would be like, 50 to 60 pounds for a loss of 30 to 40 pounds per bet slip and then every occasionally i'll get 300 400 pounds down every now and again i might win a thousand pounds and i was on a nine to two shot for eight grand the other week on itv racing as well and the, the, the sad thing about that race was that he would never in it it, was like it would have been fun to have cheered him on throughout the entire race and it had been like a photo finish and he was straight in there for eight grand but no it was like he was at the back from the beginning stayed at the back and then the closer to the end they got the further back he went but um i don't think i use the lucky 15s as a means for full-time um, reliable income other like other modes of, gar- of betting like my coupons and things like that but uh, um, I like buying I like buying plus EV lottery tickets it's like it, it, this adage in poker that you use bankroll management to figure out how much you should be buying into any cash game sit and go or tournament but so you should be using something like one hundredth of your bankroll to buy into a tournament because even if you're a winning player the variance suggests that you could lose that many tournaments in a row and perhaps bust your bankroll but then if you're just buying into tournaments for one one hundredth of your bankroll all the time you will get bored so the sort of theory is that every now and again buying times five higher just to keep things interesting I used to do the same with casino offers I think um, playing lucky 15s is kind of the same for me not relying on it to make money but it's something i can do every single day and it's a plus ev lottery it's the dream of winning it's the dream of winning the 2.1 million pounds on a wednesday afternoon at lingfield and then probably the rigmarole of what we would have to go through to get paid by the bookmaker after all of that okay guys and girls that's enough for the first half. So as we come to the break, this is your festive Christmas season reminder that you're listening to the Bashcast and it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net.
Welcome back to the Bashcast. That's Me Mundo from the artist Rheinzand, the EP Obey from November 2019. That's my tune of 2019. In the bookie bashing news. As it's coming into the middle of December, it's getting dark outside, it's turned a little bit colder. The robot lawnmower has come into the uh, to the loft for its annual hibernation for winter. We at the Bashcast wanted to celebrate a successful 2019 with you, Bashcast listeners. I've polished off half a bottle of Monte Pulciano this evening. And so let's impart our 12 not days of Christmas, but predictions for 2020. The last year of the decades, there was no year zero in the Gregorian calendar, right? So as a man who's turned 41, who lives very content life with small screaming children, I work very hard to try my best not to work very hard. By that I mean... I don't forget how lucky I am to be in a position where I faff around playing around watching sports and placing a few bets and make enough money to keep my family in socks and raisin wheats. And it's not a particularly important thing that I do. It's not a particularly clever thing that I do, heaven forbid. There are more clever people than me, and there are people that certainly give back more to society than I do. But I try over time to learn to be content, to be happy, to not be a dick, and to focus on not getting stressed. And on that last bit, let's look at 12 predictions and tips for the year 2020. First of all, you're going to place a bet next year, which is going to either be a combination bet, cards, corners, and other things to happen, or perhaps an accumulator, and only one event will lose, and you will think, God damn, that was the 1-10 to shot. How can the bet have lost? Well, here's the fact. You had five different things that had to happen in that bet. Any one of those could have been 1-10, to and on their own should have won... Nine times out of ten. But put them all together, it's much more likely that one of them is going to lose than all of them are going to win, unless they're all seriously low odds. And so when one of them does lose, you can't think, I can't believe just that lost, because you forgot to remember that you can't believe that the other one just won. You always, always notice the single one that doesn't come in, the single corner that didn't come in when it finished 10 corners and you were over 10.5, you forget about the fact you were very lucky to get the cards. 
So in the future, stop noticing it. Make an effort to stop noticing that just one of your Brett criteria or one of your selections lost. 2020 tip number two. Better 100.1 and above. Stop worrying too much about your Kelly stake and stop worrying too much about the threshold of 102%, 105%, 110%, 150%. You know what? If it's 99%, it's probably okay if the majority of what you're betting on is over 100.1. You know, the 100% threshold is just a benchmarking threshold anyway. Who's to say that it's not a bit pessimistic? And all bets over 98% in the methodology that you've used, especially if that's against available lays, isn't positive equity in the long run. Getting tied up over exacts when betting at 100.1 and above means you're probably missing out on attention in other places. Volume will trump magnitude when it comes to betting. One bet, if you have one bet next year and it's 180% EV, well, that bet could lose. And if you have a thousand bets at 99% EV and above, I'm just saying, you might be making a little bit more money than Mr. Single Bet. Number three, you're going to remember the winners that you weren't on. It's going to happen at some point. You're going to see an incredible bet at seven o'clock and then dinner's going to get spilled on the floor. The kids are going to need a nappy. Uh, the car windscreen's going to explode. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are going to knock at the front door. Your mother's going to phone you because you didn't phone your dad to wish him a happy birthday. Your sister is going to require some help with her PC. Um, there's going to be a election news night special interrupted on the television that you can't miss. Uh, you're going to trip over your shoelaces, fall down the stairs and sit at the bottom of the stairs thinking you've broken your leg and telling your wife you can't go to the Christmas cottage, you've got to go to hospital and then reason, realising after two minutes that you're just being a little bit pathetic and it's just a little bit of a bruise in the leg. Now you've got to back out the fact that your leg's not actually broken but you have told your wife it's already broken and that's going to look awkward and there's something in the back of your head thinking that maybe you should go and get an x-ray even though you know it isn't broken just to show your wife that you weren't messing around but you just get over it and say, I'm really sorry, I tripped over my shoelaces, let's get over this incident of me being a little bit pathetic falling down the stairs. Things like that are going to happen and they're going to get into the way of you getting on that bet. It's not going to happen once, it's going to happen multiple times and you never notice when they lose, ever, ever, ever. You always notice when they win and you conveniently forget the losers you were not on. And then you mope around going, I've just lost out in £1,000. No, you haven't. You lost out in a tiny amount of equity. And life happens. It's going to be impossible to get on. It's going to be impossible to get on 100% of what you want to get on next year. So don't worry about missing out on the winners that you're not on. Fourthly out of 12, the losing run at some point will feel endless this is thin value betting winning is an extremely easy thing to do anybody in the world can win lottery winners postcode lottery winners you turn up at the door you give them the giant check they're delighted they're really happy they're showing emotion that they probably shouldn't be showing as value betters as professional value betters you're going to have long losing runs they're frequently going to occur sometimes you're going to think it's no longer working. Sometimes you're going to start doubting the strategy that you're using. 
My advice is use the variance model. Work out how unlucky you really have been and accept the fact that losing runs are inevitable. If you can't lose, you can't win. So what are you doing having negative emotions assigned to the losing run part of it? Some people will quit next year. Some people will quit because they simply can't handle or didn't expect the losing run or the magnitude of the losing run. Some people will bust their bankrolls and both of those things are okay. Don't let it beat you up. You know, you bust your bankroll. I hope that you accepted that was a possibility before using that particular staking plan that you were using. Right? You gave up because it's not for you. That's absolutely fine. Go and do something else if it isn't for you. But if you can work on it and you can focus on not letting losing runs affect you at all, it's going to help you push through. Because number five, you're going to question whether you can do it. You're actually going to ask the question, is this right? Are these bets that I'm placing actually negative EV? And all that's happening is a losing run and the questions are going to start appearing in your mind now if you've done the mathematics if you're following it and you tr and only you can trust the mathematics don't trust somebody else's don't trust mine you're going to question whether you're right or not have the conviction of your beliefs you've got to be confident you've got to be confident to push on through when you've had 10 losers in a row evens on a positive expectation strategy number six you're going to get knocked back you're going to get restricted the nature of the game, it happens all the time. We're going to find new edges. We're going to find new edges that make us look like complete mugs. And at some point, you're going to get knocked back. You're going to get restricted. Because, number seven, something that you rely on as an edge will end. Perhaps it's the William Hill Great Sports Office. Perhaps coupons. Perhaps it's something online. Whatever it is, you'll have been doing it for ages. And then all of a sudden it will be taken away because you're making money on it. You're hopefully at the front of the crowd of people and then everybody else will catch up. And as soon as the crowds have all caught up with you, then you have the tragedy of the commons where all of the society starts acting in their own self-interest, which is detrimental to the community as a whole. And as a result, the bookmakers just remove the value from the particular edge that you have. It will go away next year. Don't be sad. Don't be sad that it went away. Because if you're singularly minded that you can only make money using one particular strategy, then you are completely at risk of that strategy being taken away and it all coming to an end. You've got to be flexible. Number eight, possibly eight. You're going to put back the expensive bottle of wine at the supermarket because you could save £2 having a cheaper bottle of wine. That same evening, you're going to lose hundreds of pounds on a last-minute equaliser that Aston Villa let in to lower league opposition. And yet you're still going to sit there and drink the supermarket-branded bottle of wine and not buy your child the premium Elsa toy that she wanted for Christmas because you have to save money somewhere. A tip for you. If you put in hundreds of pounds on the football, stop worrying about the two pounds on the bottle of wine in the supermarket. 
Number 10. The frivolity of advantage play is an absolute joy. It is a distraction. It is a hobby that it should be cherished. Number one, we're getting an edge and a leg over the bookmakers. Number two, we get to sit around watching sport all of the time. And number three, we're in a game of cat and mouse, which generally we're winning. I had a friend recently who had unfortunately lost his father and towards the end of his father's life his father was happy for him to take his accounts and smash them and make as much money as possible in the short period of time because there's a frivolity involved in what we're doing that the ridiculousness and the meaningless of it is actually something that is very important Number 10. You're going to get ripped off sometime next year. A bookmaker is going to void a bet, palp a bet, offer lower odds, because you're betting at the thin line of what is value. And occasionally we get suckered in. We don't mean to, but we get suckered in to a world perhaps of mistakes or a world where the bookmaker does not want to pay out at the particular odds that we're betting at. Understand it, challenge it, but accept it when it happens. There was a guy that fought a parking ticket recently for 40 years and spent £150,000 fighting that car parking ticket. Don't be that guy. Number 11. You're going to forget that this is a game when confronted by a stressed out manager or customer service agent. Remember, count the bosses that we have in the bookie bashing world. And just looking above me, I've got no bosses. You've got no bosses. We don't have bosses. How many bosses does that customer service agent have? Eight. How many, customer, uh, how many bosses does that uh, shop manager have? He's been, in fact, his entire livelihood, his career... His PDR, his annual appraisal, has all been benchmarked against identifying and restricting profitable customers. Of course he feels an element of stress. And you may come across that at some point next year. You, on the other hand, you have no stress. Don't let it affect you like it affects them. It's a game to us. It isn't a game to them. And that's the big difference. And number 12... And this advice I borrow from a well-renowned philosopher by the name of Theodore. It applies to the world of time travel as much as it applies to bookie bashing. Definitely throughout 2020, be excellent to each other. Whatever it is that you're betting on, do make sure it's valued. We'll be back next week with the final Bashcast of the year, which will, as always, be a music special. This is Tom signing out. Did the earth move fire, Nancy? Did the earth move fire, Nancy? Did the earth move fire, Nancy? Did the earth move fire, Nancy?